This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 87 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss pasture management. In the Critter Corner, we learn about parakeets. Critter nutrition focuses on the healing powers of smectite clay. And in Coffee Clatch, we ask, does your dog watch TV? Listen in. So I have a little bit of news. <laughs> Are you pregnant? Yes. <laughs> I'm pregnant with an idea. <laughs> Do tell. No, I'm actually trying I love to pre- news. prevent a pregnancy. Oh. Okay. Okay. That's okay. Okay. So Wookie is in season. And. Oh, okay. For, yes. Okay. For any of our listeners who have a dog that is has not been uh, altered in, in any way. And you, I, we have an intact male, and of course we have a female, which we plan on breeding a year from now. But in the meantime, we have to go through two more heat cycles, this one and another one before mm-hmm. the breeding. And it's always an interesting <laughs> proposition <laughs> mm-hmm. of keeping two dogs who live in the same household separated. Without being excessively mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh-huh. when nature calls, nature calls. So, um, Wookie has a chaperone, and his name is Kimasabi, or Uncle Sabi, and um, he is with her twenty four seven. And they're in one part of the house, and the other boys are in the rest of the house with a series of gates, drawbridges, <laughs> boats <laughs> in between. Oh, oh bl- bless his little heart. Yeah, well, you know, the weird thing is, is that last year in her first heat cycle, I, you know, let that, he and, and Wookie out, and I came back to let them in. And he had tied with her. And I'm like, wait a minute. That quickly. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Hey. He's neutered. Yeah. <laughs> How is this possible? Oh, but evidently yeah. it is. <laughs> now, the tie, yeah. of course, wasn't as long as an impact male. But it did give me a start. And I thought, I, I know who the vet was that did the surgery. So if we have puppies, yeah. I know exactly you know, who, who, do, who you want to talk to. <laughs> yeah. 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 But oh, uh, obviously so he's funny. shooting blanks, thank God. So, yeah, that's the big excitement thank for goodness. me. <laughs> management. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Constantly management. Yeah, well, for three weeks. It's a that, three week. That, that's a lot. It's, it's a lot. And how do the other boys handle it? Do they kind of get caught up in the emotion? Like, how do they deal with it? Or are they well, just like, oh, they, God, you're they, all the of them really let me know that on Saturday that 
she's pretty interesting now, <laughs> more than just a yeah. playmate. Yep. Yeah. And but there was no. She's bleeding. more than my sister. So I mm. thought, boy, maybe I. I mean, I, I, that's what I said. Okay, I'm separating them. And I thought, well, maybe I've jumped the right. gun. You know, you always question yourself. Well, there's no blood, so da da da. Well, wouldn't you know? Monday, boom. Yeah. There it was. So. Yep. Um, I'm really is. glad I, yep. I I paid attention to them. Yeah, they were, they were telling pretty, you, "Hey, ma, dovey, <laughs> hey, baby, yeah, yeah, yeah. aren't I cute? Yeah, <laughs> come on. Do they do like drive walk bys? <laughs> they're I'm much sure, less subtle I'm sure Wookie is. You know, they're yeah, she's, and she's like, oh, okay, and lies right on her back. Oh, little slut puppy. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It, yeah, it's funny. I only one time I have these two very beautiful ragdoll cats and Fupa <laughs> is my female. And, yeah. Yeah. Her. And she's just beautiful. She really is beautiful. And she, she, she runs the world. Not everybody knows this, but she does run the world. And, and her palace is my house. And she runs the world from here. But um, when she came into heat, it was funny because it literally happened. I had no clue. I mean, I, you know, and they said to let her go through, you know, let her have one heat cycle or get to the heat cycle and then spay her. I guess very similar to dogs. And I'll never forget it because Parker and my soon to be son in law was at the house with Hannah and Fupa. <laughs> I mean, she just thought that he was a Tomcat and to the point where it was like, this is disturbing. Like she would just throw herself at him. There was no other cat, you know, for her to, anyway, she was actually spayed that week, but it's, it is, it's a, it's a chore. It's a bit of a chore yeah, because she just is. like, I couldn't get her to move. So, well, so kudos to you, Tigger and dealing with all of that for sure. Well, you know, you look down the road and you say, it's worth going through this for three weeks now and three weeks in the fall in order Mm -hmm. to have the puppies a year from now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if there was no end game, this would be be dumb. Yeah. 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 I hear you. Well, thank goodness you've got the chaperone. I Sabi. do, Uncle Sabi. And speaking of management, pasture management, you know, we're, mm. we're in the time of cutting pastures and managing it. And, you know, a lot of people do seeding in the spring and it's hay time. And so we, we thought it'd be a good time to talk about pasture management. So let's go. There we go. Let's pasture management. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Well, you know, it doesn't, it's like, oh, you clean the pasture, you mow the pasture, fertilize the pasture. It's another one of those things that it's so regional. You know, one, what works in one part of the country is absolutely not going to work in another part of the country. And there are so many different ways to achieve the same goal, which is a pasture that both the turf is healthy and the horses eating the turf are healthy. There's a lot of ways mm-hmm. to get there. So, it, you know, it, it is something we should have conversations about, I think, yeah. And I think you had a particular aspect. I of do, pasture and that's, that's the pollinators. Well, let, why don't we start out with what is a pollinator? Because of course we've all we're all going, oh yeah, honeybees, right? But I think it's a little more broad yeah. than that, isn't it? Yeah, it's hummingbirds, it's butterflies, it's bats, it's moths. Bats and moths, really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Hmm. And the, a- the the reason I think this is so important is. You know, the, the seeds that we 
that you commercially buy to seed your pastures. They're hybridized and designed to put weight on cattle. Yep. I mean, they say horse food, but horse forage seed, but it's the same as cattle. And so they've developed, you know, orchard grass and, and Timothy so that they're, you know, really high in protein and that so that they'll make the cattle big and beefy. And they also have a higher predominance of sugars. And a couple of years ago, I our tractor broke, <laughs> which is always the, the good mm. thing. And the, oh, you know, when's the, the light in the tunnel going to shine? And during that period where it was at John Deere, <laughs> which was about two weeks, mm. the pasture really grew. I mean, it had needed to be cut when the tractor broke, but then it had another two weeks. And I was walking in it. And there were plants I had never noticed before. There were plants that looked like daisies. There were plants that were blue. There, and then there were butterflies. And there were goldfinches. And in all this high grass and, and what we would call weeds. And so when we got the tractor back, I said to Peter, I said, you know what? Let's leave this side and just mow a path. And we have been doing that now for the last couple of years. And the amount of pollinators, bumblebees, honeybees, butterflies, I, it, I don't know that it attracts mm-hmm. the bats so much. I see the bats at night. The hummingbirds, the goldfinches is extraordinary. Mm. Oh, I and bet. And if you don't want to give up, and we have a lot of pastures. So if you don't want to give up that much, leave a strip along the edge. It can be a couple of oh, feet neat. wide. And let the the milkweed and this pretty blue flower um is called toad's flax blue toad flax who knew um yeah and the daisies spouts come up and the chamomile comes up and the brown-eyed susans mm-hmm. come up and it's not only is it beautiful but you just become a host to all these fabulous pollinators so that's oh, my neat. tip in pasture management. Now, when you started at your farm, did, well, that's you, so, yeah. did you plant your pasture or is, is your pasture all volunteer and you just maintain it? We did, we, other than liming, we didn't do anything to the pastures until last year. We limed it. And then last year I got this herbal lay, which is a mix of, herbs for horses and we mixed it with some timothy you know the the normal cow stuff Mm -hmm. but we mixed it to dilute it Mm -hmm. and we did half the pastures last year and then we did the rest of them this year and you just top seeded them we no, they drilled into the ground oh do you drilled it okay Mm -hmm. we had i call him the seed man that's how he (laughs) is in my phone book the seed man (laughs) (laughs) and he comes with this big tractor with the you know and he pours the thing in and it drills a seed into the ground Mm -hmm. and the interesting thing is you know this is old virginia pasture is a lot of orchard grass and a lot of fescue and you know i wanted to support the orchard grass i don't have to support the fescue it's it's here whether i like it or not yeah Yeah. (laughs) but we had some invasive plants and we had tarped them over 
the years, you know, when they come up in a patch, then we yeah. would tarp them, lay a tarp down and burn them out in the summer. Now, um, e- explain a little bit exactly what you do there, because that's, that's an interesting and effective way to deal with invasive plants if they're patchy like that. So yes. kind of go through how, how that exactly works. So, you know, you identify, generally, a lot of invasive plants are in groups. Yes. So you identify the group and you know that it doesn't belong in your pasture. Um, and you saw it at your neighbors up the road. <laughs> so it's invasive. And you take a tarp and you put it over that section. And you, you know, we hold it down with concrete blocks and logs. And literally it stays there for a couple of months during the summer. And because the plant doesn't get light and it doesn't really get oxygen and it doesn't get moisture, it, it kills it. And then we come back and it's, they're dead. And so then we just dig up that patch and seed it by hand. Interesting. That's a really great way to do that because you're right. When yeah. you look around at the pasture, there's going to be that overgrazed spot that yep. two and a half years later has that little batch of weeds in it because there was, a, there was an opportunity because usually those invasive types, they're opportunistic. Or yep. a, a patch that got really long, you know, it didn't exactly. get mowed or something like that. Yep. So that's a great way to deal with that. The whole, the, the tarping thing. Mm. I have to, I'm going to put that in my uh, list yeah, of now, help, helpful now we tips. we did in our, in our efforts to, you know, we don't spray any pesticides or herbicides. So we found this guy who he has like, it's, I call it the flame torch. Yeah. And you torch the weeds. Yeah. Well, it looks when he demonstrated, I went, oh, okay, that's doable. When we actually did it, it's tricky as heck. Yeah, it should be done by professionals in my opinion. Uh, I've seen it done. Yeah. 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 And if you don't get it down on the root, it's just going to grow up anyway. It just comes so, back, exactly. Because yes. many, many plant species are designed Very, to survive fires because yes. they're naturally okay. occurring. Yeah, I can see that. For, so, so tarping has been... And now we're tarping the, um, I don't know if you know that Virginia is a really big hot spot for poison ivy. Yeah, it grows like, um, grows yeah. like weed, yes, yeah. on everything. And we found that tarping poison ivy works great. Huh. Same principle. You just literally starve. Oh, starve. Well, interesting. So take care of the pollinators, really important. And because mm-hmm. we have to seed, we meaning everybody, when we seed our pastures, it's even more important to allow the native plants and the wildflowers to have a place. Yeah. And we need to adjust our eyes, I think, into what a beautiful pasture is. Is a beautiful pasture perfectly mowed? <laughs> There's nothing along the fence lines. Beautiful white fencing. Yes, that's one form of beautiful. But I think another form of beautiful is is the native plants, the wildflowers, the horses aren't going to eat it anyway. And if they've got plenty of pasture to eat, it, right. it, it doesn't impede at all. And it saves gasoline by, A, you're not mowing it, and B, along fence lines, you're not having to take those horrible, noise-polluting weed whackers. Yeah. For, for years now, I've been contacting various and sundry seed companies around the company country that produce grass seeds for horse pastures. I've probably contacted 
six of them over the years. And, you know, not a single one has ever responded for my request to do an interview with them. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? Because I'm all the time contacting companies that that provide services or products and things like that because we're curious about that topic. Of course. Uh, You know, we we had a horse trailer manufacturer on to talk about how horse trailers are made and things we should look for when we buy a horse trailer. Who who would know better, right? So I thought, well, I want to know about seeding pastures and how seed works and what works for different regions. And not one has ever even responded. Makes you wonder. So if you know anybody in the seed business, Mm -hmm. Tigger... I do. I do know somebody in the seed business that he represents this herbal lay that I just love. I mean, I have it planted along some fence lines and it when it blooms, it blooms at different times during the spring and summer and you get these beautiful blossoms and the horses will come over and nibble on something or maybe they want a little bit of this. It, again, variety is so important to horses. We've That's yeah. why I seed my pasture yeah allow the fescue, add more orchard grass, timothy, and bluegrass. And, of course, the bluegrass isn't good in the summer, but it's great in the spring Mm -hmm. because it's a cool grass. So they need variety. Horses need variety. Their gut needs variety. I'm on on the same page you are when it comes to variety of grasses and... um and haze, but it is harder and harder to find. It, where and it's harder in a in a climate like yours, Jennifer. Yes. You well, know, yes, it is. Except it, you're it, in Ocala, which has a better. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. It's not as tough as, for example, Wellington. Yeah. Um, what does tend to happen here is the community culturally is very strong into single species pastures. They want it all to be the same stuff. It has to be Argentine bahia and nothing else. It's very strong because that's what that's what the the extension services push, right? Yeah, but I I have I grew up in the Mid Atlantic area where lots of species of grasses uh-huh. grow, but I've even in, in even down here in, in Ocala, um, you can get pasture mixes that are mixes. There are half a dozen different species of horse friendly grasses in there for, that grow well in these climates but they're not as popular because like you said there are different versions of beauty and we've all gotten so used to looking at mm. a green mm. area and to us what seems healthy and beautiful looks a little bit like a golf course and that's yep. what we've gotten used to and, and we that, just figure that's what that's what it should be yeah right so i'm i'm all for non golf courses <laughs> non golf courses <laughs> yeah <laughs> And Patty, when you go back to Texas, there's a lot of native grasses in that swath of, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas. Right. And really look at the possibility of reintroducing some native grasses that are good for horses in in the pastures that you're going to in Dallas. Because they that's also okay. tend to be lower in that's, sugar. Well, that's, that's the, right. Oh, well, that yeah. will be perfect. Yeah. The, the, that, um, that, yeah. So if you, you've got some okay, great good to know. pasture management tips, please let us know at HealthyCrittersRadio.com. Can't wait. Hello. Hetty. Hetty. Hello. Hello, citizens of the Hettyverse. How's it going? <laughs> Hetty That's great. That's oh, that's good. That's good. So we were interested, Hetty, in your latest exploits <laughs> in dumpster diving. 
Oh, Tigger, do you wish to hear the story about the cupcake? No, but I wish you would share it with everybody. Okay. So the servant, you may know she claims to have another profession. It's not real. But she claims that when she has deadlines and that she needs to get her mind moving, something I have never seen happen in all of my years with her, but whatever. (laughs) She does a lot of baking. And she does Hmm. this baking... You know, in some would say, in a non-judgmental way, entirely neurotic fashion, you see, because she just bakes and bakes and bakes and bakes and bakes and bakes, and she doesn't eat any of the nice things. She gives them to people, people who work in the barn, people who are down the road, neighbors, not little dogs. Of course not. (laughs) So... During Bake Fest 2019, the May version, she might have made, oh, six to ten batches of cupcakes. And during that time, she could not really rid herself of all the cupcakes. Now, to be fair, she tried, but she forgot to bring them to her imaginary workplace. And so as a result, you know, there were quite a lot of them. So anyway... She put them in the oven and forgot about them as like a storage place because little dogs are very clever with their little paws. And so if you leave things around, little dogs get them. (laughs) So yeah. Or the cats too, if you leave it on the counter. So she left it in the oven and forgot about it. Yep, that's what she did. And these were double chocolate cupcakes with cinnamon icing. Mm -hmm. Wow. So later, like a week or so, possibly two weeks later, (laughs) she turned the oven on for something completely different and (laughs) melted the bejesus out of them. (laughs) (laughs) And so when she was like, I wonder why the house smells like burning cinnamon chocolate, yo. She went and found out yo. why, because she's not that bright. I added the yo. She did not say that on her own. I added that. Okay, and that so, was good. Nice touch. Thank yeah. you. So she went and she, our dumps, you know, we have the dumpsters for the manure. And we have in the past had the adventure of the diving from the plank on the upper barn one to find chickens. But she thought stupidly that we could not get into the other one. If she put the cupcakes at the top of it, we would never be able to get them. Ah, Did we ever prove her wrong? My sister and I are like alpine engineers when it comes to dumpsters. Let me just tell you, we scaled Mount Manure and we just tucked right in and probably ate, you know, 12 of those cupcakes, no problem, (laughs) before we were found. Because she did not immediately wonder where we were, which really is her own fault. Because she had the opportunity to be responsible and once again, she did not wonder where we were Mm. immediately that we were not right where we were supposed to be so really this is all her fault on three to five levels i think Um, so then i went on a serious chocolate and sugar high like vibrating around the room and twisting and spinning and twisting and wow was i wild and so sick to my stomach for about 12 to 14 hours and then i was fine 
By the way, you're a hearty little dog. Mm-hmm. For those listening, my brother, the stupid goblin, did not eat any cupcakes. So we don't know oh. if he is actually capable of withstanding the sort of extreme gastrointestinal distress that my sister and I attempt to engage with on a regular basis. And she used very high quality chocolate and we were fine, except we pooped actual chocolate for two days. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't come out, just in case you're wondering. I... You know, I think with the mountain climbing ability, I can see a future for Hetty doing Everest. (laughs) Yeah. She'll be like Everest chocolate at the summit. You're just saying that because of the high mortality rate there and because you're hostile. Mm -hmm. And you're hostile. Are you still on a bit of a sugar high? It's just a question. There's no judgment. (laughs) No, this is several weeks ago. I feel fine, but thank you for inquiring. (laughs) Well, thank well, you, Hetty. Um, we look yeah. forward to more yes. dumpster diving adventures. Yes, well, you we know, do. I have mad skills. I'm thinking, though, of a new plan where Aussies pull a sled with me and my sister in for the Iditarod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty ah. sure I could get those bastards to run. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, away. <laughs> While I sat there and had a little snack with uh, my sister. A little, little hot chocolate. It is nice that yes. you want to have your sister. So that's pretty sweet. My well, sister I'll, and I love each other and cannot be separated. Well, I, I will certainly inform my Aussies. I'm sure Patty will inform hers mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we need to start Ditterrod training. Yeah. yeah. So Patty, Patty the musher can... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Us out the yeah. one you call yeah. polar he's kind of a chunker i think we'll let him do it <laughs> he's perfect <laughs> thank you hetty okay. bye-bye Thanks. bye-bye so we are now at critter quarter and we are going to do parakeets thank you tigger which um, is, they're, they're just fascinating, fascinating. There's so many things that I didn't know about parakeets. And some people think of a parakeet and a budgie. Um, and there's a bigger word for that that I can spell to you guys, but I'm not even going to pretend to try to say it. Um, I was going to text you earlier, Tigger, and say, tell me what this word means. But anyway, it's the better, bigger word of budgie. Um, so a budgie and a parakeet are the same thing. Now, the interesting thing is, and I'm, I'll just delve into this a little bit, there's like this big debate between parrots and parakeets, and it can be very confusing. But all parakeets are parrots. Yep. Okay. But some are small to medium size. And in general, any bird that has a hooked bill and a long tail is um, supposedly okay. a form of a parakeet. No, a parakeet. H- hooked bill, like a parakeet, not like a parrot. Oh. Okay. And, and a long tail. And I, and that can go on, elaborate even more, but I didn't want to spend time there because there's so many other interesting things. For example, I've never had a parakeet. Well, I probably did years ago, but they're highly intelligent and 
they, they, they truly love affection and there are so many different types. Like, you know, there, like I said, there's over, uh, over a hundred different, um, variations of them and they come from all different places in the world. There's an Indian ring neck, there's a plum headed, there's a regent and all of these are different colors, but we're going to sort of just stick around the budgie, which is the ones that we see in the pet stores. And they too are very, very intelligent they're 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 very social they're full of energy they love interacting with people and they really do make great pets they're found all over they are found all all over the world mainly in australia and south and central america and they i think they all basically have very similar personalities and because they're intelligent this is one thing that i didn't know they can talk even the little budgies they're not the best talkers but you can train them to talk and we'll get into that in a minute so a couple things to know is that there's, you know, there's questions about, you know, whether or not you should have one or two. You generally should stay within the same species, like, you know, a, a parakeet. And in the wild, I thought, I don't know why I always find this so dear. They actually mate for life, which is, Aww. yeah. So like, you know, if they lose their mate, that's kind of it for them. But, okay, they live seven to 10 years. They should be handled, you know, every day, about 30 minutes a day, if you can manage it. Um, they talk about, you know, minimum cage requirements. Obviously the bigger is always going to be a little bit better. The minimum I saw anywhere from 16 by 14 by 18 or 20 by 18 by 18. So obviously you've got to do what you can for the space that you have. A couple things to have for them. They need like a little, I don't know if you've guys seen those little hooded things that birds can go into to kind of sleep at night, sort of like a, looks like a hammock kind of, and, but it's completely covered um, so that they can go. It's a run and shed for parakeet or a budgie. Yeah. I thought you just uh, put a ca- cover over the cage. That's what we did can, when I was a but, kid. Yes, and you do do that. And I, I looked into why. And it does, you don't, you can do that for sure. But they do, they do like to go in a smaller area. So ah. you can, you should really provide both if you can. So you don't necessarily have to cover them. But in the training part of this, it'll explain why that is kind of a big benefit to cover it. And you can do it with a sheet or a towel. They, they say basic at least three perches it should the, the cage should be spot cleaned weekly and deep cleaned once a month uh it should fe- absolutely have a cuddle bone in there which obviously helps sh- sharpen their beak and keep it tr- trimmed down but also provides you know minerals and stuff like that as far as food wherever you get your bird whether you get it from a pet store or from a breeder they're going to suggest um you know standard bird seed or a type of pellet but the fun thing is, is you can try like a fruit a week. You can give them dark leafy vegetables, which is always fun. Change their water every day and uh, about two to three times a week, offer them a little warm bird bath. Not a hot one, just a warm one. And some of them don't necessarily, won't take to the bird bath. So you can spray them nicely with a um, mystery bottle. So the first thing that I was thinking of when I when I started to research this is when I found out that they could talk was sort of like I had birds years ago and I didn't know how to get them relaxed with me because they're different than cats and dogs. And actually, they're not as different as I thought. You know, like, you know, when you get one home, if you take it from a pet store or a breeder and they're going to be a little bit backed off and freaked out, well, how do you teach them to perch on your hand? So they recommend first talking to them regularly. And which also help with the the teaching them to talk. 
But when you get them home after they've sort of settled in and they understand their space, they recommend that you place one hand in the cage and you don't move it around. You just set it in there so the bird gets acclimated to your smell and how, you know, how you, you know, react and whatever, but just put it in there. You know, you may, and this may take up to a week and they may squawk and move around, but you just keep it very calm. And once they calm down, you gently move it out. Well, then once that gets a little bit more regular, then you can put both hands in, but one hand put a little seed on it. And then once the bird gets comfortable, and that may take some time and you just have to stay patient, but once the bird starts to come towards your hand and possibly take the seed, then you can actually start to use a command like step up or stand on my finger or whatever you want. Step up is, seems to be the most common. Attack! And, attack, but, buddy! Or, or attack, attack buddy. buddy! Sorry. And there is that. <laughs> But once they start to get comfortable, you rub their chest a little bit, and then you can kind of bridge that to the next thing. So then, number one and big thing, once you take them out of the cage, what is the number one thing that you would think of after you take them out of the cage? Anyone? Catch them. <laughs> well, first, you close the close windows, the but you should think of that before you take them out of the cage. <laughs> There's the bigger thing in this, and that is turn off the ceiling fan if you have one. Oh! <gasps> Oh yeah. my God! I never did, thought of that. That could be tragic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Especially when because once you take them out, they're probably going to be a little freaked out, right? So you again, and this is where just like cats or dogs or anything else, you just have to take your time and remain calm. And if you've done your homework with teaching them to step up on your finger, they're going to go back to that as knowing that's sort of the safe place, or they'll go back to their cage. But they say if you take them out and they panic and they fly around the room, don't. You know, just calm down, see if you, if they're scared or encourage them to step up or let them go back in the cage. And then you just kind of do this continually. And then eventually it bridges them over and they become very acclimated to it. So last but not least, teaching your budgie or parakeet to talk. And this is where the covering of the cage is a big thing because in the morning when you uncover the cage, whatever you decide to teach them, you if they're, you know, if they if they have their name or whatever is a good, a good thing to start with. But as you start to take it off, you can start talking to them and you say the same thing, whatever it is, their name over and over again. Um, but they say first thing in the morning is the best time to teach them to talk because birds really need their rest. And if they're distracted and tired at the end of the day, they're not going to respond as well. And that's where a lot of people end up not having any success in teaching them to talk, which I just, I just found this part so interesting because I didn't know they could talk, but anyway, you repeat Word over and over again. And last but not least, they bet they do best with consonants like D, T, K, P, or B in the word or their name. So because uh-huh. they they don't have a wide vocabulary like uh, like a conure or you know a Quaker parrot or something like that, but they can learn to say simple uh, words and maybe a couple words in a row. Um, sing? You know, Tigger, I didn't see it. I know they do. I know they chirp, but I don't think they sing. I'm not sure about that. I didn't, I didn't see anything about that. That's a good, that's a good question. But I, I mean, you, you've never had a parakeet, have you, Jennifer? I have never had a parakeet. Um, that's a good question. I'm, I'm sure that they have natural vocalizations. Yeah. So um, that's a good question. I'm going to look that up. Because I know they chirp. Yeah, I know they chirp. Yeah, I guess they make a lot of sounds is what it says. Oh, and it will sing. Oh, they're so cute. I totally want one. Let's not tell Peter. (laughs) What's that? To Texas first. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's just anyway, I think they're fascinating. And it was such a good suggestion because it's just you learn all these little tricks. And it's so interesting to me how all of these things in training always tie in together. And that is patience, patience and stay calm, patience Mm -hmm. and stay calm. So anyway, cool. And and, oh, and they do make they make good family pets. If you introduce them to children slowly, they're great family pets for it with kids. So that's a big thing. Good to know. Yeah. So there you go. The world of parakeets. I'm putting parakeets on my list. There you go. You're going to what, Tigger? I'm putting it on my list. Yeah. But look some of these bad boys up. I mean, the budgies are beautiful and adorable. But I mean, I did have, I had a son, Conyer, and they are the very, and they they call them uh, parrots, but they're very loud. Um, Yeah, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a, I was really, I wanted a yellow necked Amazon green parrot. That's oh, not yeah. loud at all. Yellow head. <laughs> yeah, but they they sing and they they're good talkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would make sense that I would want something that's a good talker. But yeah. my problem is they live fifty to seventy years, which means they'll that's outlive the me. Yeah, you're gonna have yeah. to put them in your will, Tigger. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's interesting because that's what a lot of people do is they they absolutely put they that when they when you buy a parrot. I had a client once that bought a baby parrot, and I think it was a red wing macaw and oh, they're beautiful oh they are beautiful but we got it without feathers like we had we had to you know feed it not bottle feed it but syringe feed it and that was been boy do they bond with you i mean it was that was a fascinating experience but anyway but you you do have to whenever you and that's why a lot of these birds they breed them and then i, I don't know it i find it so irresponsible because you know you're you're you let people that are in their 50s buy a bird that's going to live 50 or 60 years yeah. i mean i would want to it's going to go but anyway there you go there you go it's a great pet there you go oh and i said seven to ten years for the parrots parakeets there you go so there you cool and here we are at critter nutrition and today it's all about the healing power of smectite clay I want to go into some detail on the benefits of smectite clay for horses, but I I have to confess, in general, I am a raving fan of smectite clay. What an incredible earth medicine it is for internal and external healing. Um, The Biostar team can attest to me applying smectite clay to their bruises, scrapes, bug bites, chapped fingers, skin knees, and sore muscles. Unlike other clays, it doesn't need to stay on the body for hours and hours. 20 to 30 minutes is all. Smectite clay is formed through volcanic activity, primarily volcanic ash. Smectite is classified as a silicate clay. Bentonite and montmorillonite are both smectite clays and are named for deposits, not as scientific names in themselves. Bentonite was named for a large smectite deposit in Wyoming, and Montmorillonite was named for a large smectite deposit in France. The smectite clays can have various high mineral contents. The use of clay both externally and internally has been a part of mankind's medicines for thousands of years. Today, this art of healing is formally known as paleotherapy and is used around the world in hydrotherapy, natural medicine, alternative medicine, and complementary medicine. Horse owners know paleotherapy from the use and application of poultices and smectite supplements 
like BioSponge from Platinum Performance and the BioStar products Rebound, Starlight, and Locomotion. Smectite clay for horses can absorb and bind toxins. Because the clay's minerals are negatively charged and toxins are positively charged, the clay works like a magnet and draws the positively charged toxins to it. Smectite clays have the unique ability to adsorb and absorb toxins at a greater rate than any other clay. Adsorption is the process by which substances stick to the outside surface of a clay molecule, similar to the way a strip of Velcro works. Absorption is the process of drawing substances into the internal structure of the clay, similar to a sponge absorbing water. So smectite has both of these capabilities, adsorption and absorption. Most everything that attacks the body, bacteria, virals, fungi, diseases, toxic chemicals, are positively charged. Smectite clay doesn't recognize these different substances. It only recognizes the positive electrical charge. So positive electrical charges will be attracted to the clay. It's also very alkaline with a pH of 7.S. Clay moves to the GI tract and colon. It picks up the positively charged substances and leaves the body through the alimentary canal, taking the toxins with it. While smectite clay can be given dry, it's best to mix it with wet feed. My favorite varieties of smectite clay for horses include calcium montmorillonite and magnesium aluminum silicate. I stay away from the sodium bentonites because sodium can be hard on the body. If you want to know more about smectite clay, or working with smectite clay, Biostar has a full line of poultices made of smectite clay and our Starlight Rebound and Locomotion products. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So now we're at Coffee Clatch, and the question of Coffee Clatch today is, does your dog like to watch TV? And the reason this has come up is that I've noticed that a couple of my dogs are TV watchers, and and there are specific things they kind of tune in on. The others could care less. (laughs) So I wanted to ask, you know, what does your dog watch, and does your dog watch TV? It's so funny that you mentioned this years ago. Um, I 
had a greater Swiss mountain dog and my best friend, Kelly, I had bred a litter and she had a sister to one of my litter mates that I had. And she was watching the Westminster dog show and her dog Trudy. And I, I wish I could find this picture cause it is a classic was watching the dog show, like sat there and watched. I mean, it is the best picture and I'll see if I can find it. It was just, it was just, and she just kind of sat there and watched it. I, you know, it's funny. I, um, I, I don't know if I've ever noticed my dogs doing it. Um, I, cause they're always either, they're always either asleep under my feet or staring at me. So, but I, you know, I, I may not be noticing. Well, I, it, this, is, this is so odd because most of my dogs ignore it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I noticed when Wookie was about, I don't know, seven or eight months old, and I was watching The Force Awakens, the Star Wars film. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> and, but what was so weird was that she went from sleeping on the couch to sitting up. And watching the TV. And I went, oh, this is not possible. This this is some coincidence. But wouldn't you know it, this winter, when there was like a Star Wars fest on and I was going through, the, the, she, when she hears the music or something, she just gets up and is she just sits there with her, on her little paws and watches with me. That is, She's a Star that's- Wars fan. Well, well she's, I know, she's a wookster. Yeah. She kind of has to be. Yeah. And what, the other dog that watches only animation. And it, uh, there are sounds that, like, we watched The Lion King and Thunder Bear is all over that movie. I mean, he just thinks that's, he, and he's, again, he lies at the end of the bed and he is just focused right on the oh, action so of The Lion King. That's pretty cute. Huh. It's really cute. The others, no, they could they could care less. But That's those so two, funny. How, yeah, how about I yours? Know. It's just Jen. so odd. I cannot say I've ever had a dog that watched TV, but our next door neighbor's dog, who we babysit, we he she comes in and has away days. When they go away, we take care of their dog and they take care of ours. A little pug. She not only watches the TV, she interacts with the programming. No! Yes. Oh, wow. If there is action going on, and let's say there is a chase scene where a cop <laughs> is chasing a perpetrator, the perpetrator goes off the screen to the right, she will bark and run around the right-hand side of the TV to the back. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Oh, that is so cute. I yeah, that's you not. adorable. That's adorable. <laughs> oh! Yes. Now, she yeah, will, I, if she's yeah, watching just, Home I, and Garden yeah. TV, it's all cool and quiet and chill. But if she's watching cop shows, there's barking, there's running around. <laughs> she has to participate. That's adorable. It's the weirdest thing. I love it. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah. Have you seen the ads for The Secret Life of Pets too? Oh, my gosh. I must see it on opening day. <laughs> Oh no, I have it. Oh, oh, I can't wait to see that. The Are big, you kidding fat me? Cat is I, I love that cat. My that mommy cat. may have given me some catnip. <laughs> but there are the there's a that's so funny. A, a scene where they're all three of them are sitting there watching the TV 
And when I first saw the ad, I went, oh, my God, I own two of those dogs. <laughs> yes. That's cute. It is the secret life of, do- of pets. It, it's real. That, I mean, it's an animated movie, but that's just real. It's that absolutely. Happens. That happens. I believe it. It happens right in front of me all the time. I just don't, <laughs> don't always know what now, they're doing. Has there, has there ever been a cat who watches TV? Catches wa- cats watch aquariums all the time. That's the fish right. channel. Mm-hmm. But do they ever the watch fish channel? Yeah, ours used to do that. She loved he loved the fish channel. He would sit for hours and watch the fish channel. I didn't even know there was a fish channel. It's not the real fish channel. It's the aquarium. Oh. Yeah, it's the aquarium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would watch he, and, and at Christmas time they have the Yule log channel. He would watch that. The cat. Oh my god. Yeah. That's so funny. You watch that snap, crackle, pop thing. Yeah, my so, cats yeah. just like to look out the, you know, the window channel and talk to the birds. King, King Henry of Springdale, and he'd talk it, and the birds are flying around at the feet. You know, but a they can't hear you. B they don't want to hear you. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, you know, the birds are out there. You know. Flipping them in the neater, neater, neater. Yeah. Neater, neater. yeah. That's exactly what the birds are doing. Yeah. Well, if you have pets who like to watch TV let or aquariums or the outdoor wildlife, let us know. We want to hear about it. HealthyCrittersRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at BiostarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 